Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. God is so good. Have you brought your Bibles tonight? Well, glory to God. Let's open them up to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55. And then if we, if we get to it all, I've got good. I've got 27 minutes. That ought to be enough time. Amen. Isaiah 55. Let me find it. Isaiah 55. And, and then if we get to it, we'll, we'll go over to 2 Kings for just a moment. Isaiah 55, we'll begin in verse 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let, excuse me, and let him return unto the Lord, and he, he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, I like this, for he will abundantly pardon. Now look at that again. That, that's a great scripture. Let the wicked man forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, you know, not everyone who is not saved is wicked. There are good people that are not saved. Amen. You say, well, pastor, do you think good people go to hell every day? Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. The greatest sin or the only sin unto death or the sin unto separation from God is the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so your life and lifetime is an opportunity to, for you to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But, but, but if you are not born again, you are unrighteous. You are iniquitous. That means the trait of your human spirit is iniquity, which is a force transmitted into mankind when mankind sinned and fell in the garden. The Bible says of Lucifer, the devil, he said it was, he was perfect in the day in which he was created until iniquity was found in him. Iniquity is selfishness, self-righteousness, self-centeredness. Everything is about you. Everything is about me. Everything is about mine. Uh, you, you could care less about anybody else. It's look out for number one and number one only. Well, thank God Jesus came. And showed us what righteousness is all about. Righteousness is right standing with God. And when you got born again, Jesus took the unrighteousness or the iniquity out of your human spirit and put in righteousness. You have a brand new motivation. I don't know if anybody in here has ever tried to sin after you got saved. I mean willingly. Just go out and try to maybe do the same thing you used to do. Go to the same places you used to go. And it just wasn't the same. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The music didn't sound the same. The alcohol didn't taste the same. The drugs didn't do the same. The reason is you're not the same. You're a different person. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So if you were once unrighteous and now you are righteous, then obviously there was a way of thinking that was geared toward your unrighteousness that has to be changed. You have to forsake the way you used to think. Now I want you to know that some of the worst thinking on this planet is religious thinking. It's when you take the word of a man over the word of God and you make a decision to believe what man says instead of what God says. 
I know that there's some things that we believe because we see them very plainly in the Word of God. Today, as I was, uh, uh, I had a couple of errands I had to run and was driving uh, down to the east end of the island, was listening to a, a message Brother John Osteen was preaching. I think it was a, a, an Easter Sunday back in the 80s, eight, 1988 or 89, and he painted this incredible picture. He went, he went through about 15 scriptures in the Word of God. And with every scripture confirmed beyond a shadow of a doubt that when Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That Jesus' human spirit, which was actually created by the, blood, by the word of God, in his, veins, uh, in his veins flowed the blood of God. His being went to hell itself. He suffered three days and three nights in the pit, in the abyss, in the place of suffering. In the, I mean, just took the Word of God and painted that picture beautifully. You say, now, why would you, why would you mention that? Because if you would ask for a counseling session with the majority of ministers on this island and told them, I go to a church that believes Jesus went to hell after crucifixion, they would look at you and say, you get out of that church as soon as you can. They would say, they've lost their minds. They're heretics. They're crazy. But see, in the Word of God, it plainly shows us. And besides that, if He did not take your punishment, you will have to. Because redemption was a great exchange. And very plainly in the Word of God, you can look at, you can look at Psalms 22, paints a picture of it. You can look what He said in Luke chapter 8. You can look at what it says in, 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 in uh Acts chapter 2. You can look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. You can look at what it says in Colossians chapter 1. There's scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about Jesus' love for us being so great that he allowed himself to be separated from the heavenly Father and to go into the bowels and the heart of the earth and suffer in a place of punishment three days and three nights for you and I. Jesus himself said, as Jonah was in the belly of the earth three days, a belly of the whale three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Go look that up in the Greek. It means the pit, the place of suffering. But most of Christianity today would say you're absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Except for a large group of people who are doing most of the work. You say, why? Because they know revelation in the Word of God, once it's accepted for what God says it is, releases the power of that Word. And because of His death, His burial, and His resurrection, we don't have to go to hell. You say, why? Because He went for us. We don't have to be sick. You say, why? Because He got sick for us. We don't have to live in sin. You say, why? Because He took our sin. He was made sin for us. Amen. So there has to be a rejection of religious thinking. Let's take it to another. There's many churches today. You can tell them, I go to a church that believes that God heals. Just like he healed in the Bible. Like he healed in Naaman's day. We're going to look at Naaman the leper in just a minute. He healed Naaman the leper. Just, as like, just like Jesus healed in the Bible. Lepers and blind people and, and deaf people and crippled people. He healed. And just like in the book of Acts, people were healed in the, in the ministry of Philip the Evangelist. People were healed in the ministry of Paul the Apostle. I go to a church that believes that Jesus still does that today. The majority of the ministries on this island will look at you and say, get out of that church as soon as you can. Amen. Now, let's take it to another level. You go to a church, you go tell somebody, 
I go to a church that teaches that the only possible way you can go to heaven is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead according to Romans 10, 9, and 10. They believe that the Bible says that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, there will be a few more that will tell you we believe that also. But for the most part, many of them will say, well, that's a real gray area. And we really don't know whether this, quote, born-again experience is relevant or not to Christianity. But you know, if you come to church, if you join our church, if you become who we are, then we guarantee you, you'll go to heaven because we'll teach you how to be good enough. You're going to have to forsake thinking that does not line up with the Word of God because that keeps people in bondage. That keeps people just literally wondering about God. Okay, we'll, do that. we'll say that one too. How about one more? You tell people, I go to a church where they say God doesn't do bad things. They, 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 they say things like, you know, uh, acts of God are not tornadoes. Acts of God are not hurricanes. Uh, that where God doesn't uh, cause deformities in children. God doesn't put cancer on people. God doesn't take your, 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 your favorite child because he doesn't have somebody to sing in the choir with as pretty a voice as they have. I heard that one time. Amen. No, we're going to have to learn to what? Forsake our religious thinking. When we learn to forsake our religious thinking and accept the word, get quiet in this Lutheran Sunday school class tonight, amen? When we learn to forsake religious thinking and accept the word of God, then abundant pardon. You say pardon for what? Pardon for our thinking. Pardon for the way we used to think. Have you ever noticed that when you think contrary to the Word of God, it puts your thinking in a gear of apathy and complacency where you have no fire, no zeal? You really don't care who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. You really don't care well, if a sick person does or does not get healed. You really don't care about missions. You really don't care about anything. You just care about yourself. That's self-righteousness and that's unrighteous. But when you make a decision to serve God and you hunger and thirst after the things of God, and you dig into the Word of God as the greatest treasure you'll ever discover and you just don't believe something because some preacher says it you believe it because God says it and then all of a sudden the fire of God, the zeal of God gets in you and serving God becomes your lifestyle instead of, so, instead of a social event on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights so the righteous, I mean excuse me, the unrighteous forsake your what? thoughts and return to the Lord, return to the Word, return to God, to His precepts, and He will have what? Mercy. Everybody say mercy. Remember what mercy is, the ability of God to stop from happening to you what should happen to you. How many like mercy? Woo, I tell you, I like mercy. Amen. He will have what? Mercy. Everybody say mercy. Upon Him and unto our God, and He will abundantly pardon. Why? Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher, everybody say higher. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now notice this. It's almost as if he's talking about something completely different now. 
For as the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth, everybody say bring forth, bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, so shall my word, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which do I, that which do I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which do I send it. Notice this, accomplish and prosper, accomplish and prosper, accomplish and prosper. The word is designed to do what? Accomplish and prosper, accomplish and prosper, accomplish salvation. Prosper you in your health. Prosper you in your thinking. Prosper you in your mindset. Prosper you in all, everything that you put your hand. It's the will of God that everything you put your hand to does what? Prospers. So he's saying here, you're going to have to forsake your thinking because everything on this planet revolves around, are you ready? Seed time and harvest. That's what he's saying. Everything on the planet. You may not live on a farm. You may not raise chickens. You may not raise corn. You may not grow rice. You may not even be involved in any type of agriculture. But I want you to know, as a man sows, as a woman sows, that, how, that is also how they will reap. Forget about money. We're not taking an offering. We're not talking about finances. You sow prejudice, you'll reap prejudice. You sow insecurity, you'll reap insecurity. You sow hate, you'll, 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 you'll get hate right back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You sow meanness, you're going to get meanness back. You sow rejection, you're going to get rejection. Whatever you sow, whatever you put out there. So God is saying, change your thinking, change your sowing. <laughs> you missed a good opportunity. Get up and run around the church three times. Change your thinking. Forsake your thoughts. There's higher thinking. There's higher ways of thinking. There's better ways of doing things. Amen. Now, with that in mind, go to 2 Kings. Let's look at something just a moment. Here's a guy who probably is pretty smart. Everybody say pretty smart. He's achieved what we would call success. In his lifetime and lifespan, he is a high-ranking uh, general. The Bible calls him the captain of the host of the Syrian army. So this guy's, this guy's got it going on. He's not some, you know, just some soldier, some, some field soldier. He's a captain of the host. That means he's in charge. He's the, he's the field marshal. He's the general. He's the big guy. So obviously he's had some, some ambition in his life, some drive to get ahead. He's probably done some things to promote himself. He's educated himself. He, he's, man, he's got it going on. Syria at that time was dominating the world. That Persian empire was dominating the world. And he was right on the tip of the sword. He was the cutting edge of what that king was wanting to do. Everywhere they went, it was his battle plans. It was his ideas. It was his experience. This guy's got it going on. He is sharp as a tack, but he's got a problem. One day I could imagine, maybe after a battle, maybe after the conquest of some place, as he maybe was taking off his armor or, or, or removing uh, some clothing, and he began to look at himself, and he began to notice on that, on that beautiful olive-complected Middle Eastern skin was an ashen-looking spot. Well, maybe it's just a place where my 
breastplate was wearing on me. Maybe it was a, a place, uh, you know, just got irritated. I'll watch it for a few days, and it begins to grow, and it begins to get larger, and it begins to spread to his hands. Usually that's, that's the place many times leprosy will begin to show up on your body. Then it'll spread to your hands because you're always reaching around, and, and all of a sudden, next thing you know it, it's in your hands. And when it gets in your hands, it begins to eat your fingers off. It'll begin to just, just eat you up. And all of a sudden, he gets the diagnosis, you're a leper. What does that mean? That means his life as the captain of the host of Syria is over. It's over. Now he's going to have to move outside whatever city he lives in. He's going to have to live in the garbage dump with those that are cursed. And anytime anybody approaches, they scream out, unclean away, leprosy, leprosy, unclean away. Now what kind of life is that? For a guy that's probably got his own palace, has a family, has, has won battles, has a reputation, has prestige. Now, they've been in Israel. They brought away captives out of Israel. And thank God, even, their, even in their captivity, a servant's heart is always toward their God. And this servant said to, to, to Naaman's wife, if only he could get to Israel, there's a prophet. There's a guy down there in Israel. He's got a healing ministry. Now, if he could get down there, then God can heal him. So off he goes. Man, I'm on, he's looking for anything. He done been to the hospital, been to the doctors, tried the cures of the day, cures the Nothing works. He, he, he's finished. It's over. So he, he, he's grasping at any straw. So off he goes. We know later by other stories that are told about this situation that he loaded up a caravan. He had gifts. He had gold. He had silver. He had changes of raiment. He had the commodity of the day. He wanted to pay. He said, if i got to pay for it, there's no price too big. I'll pay for my healing. I'd rather be broke without leprosy than have leprosy and have all the money in the world. So now notice, pick it up, pick it up here in verse, pick it up here in verse uh, 9. It says, so Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now notice verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, now that, that's what he's looking for. Many times people come to church, and they hear the word preached, and that's what they're looking for. It's their answer. It's what God is saying to them. This is, your, this is the answer for your sin. You must be born again. This is the answer for your sickness or disease. Have hands laid on you. Believe God, you'll be healed. This is the answer for your oppression. Be delivered by the power of God in the name of Jesus. This is the answer for your addiction. Be delivered by the power of God in the name of Jesus. This is the answer for your depression. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, they'll preach the answer, preach the answer. But then the thinking process begins. Mindsets. Unrighteous thinking. Religious thinking. Uh, we've said for years, many times in America, you've got to unteach people before you can teach them because so much stuff that has been, so much has been taught that goes outside the boundaries of the Word of God. So here's Naaman standing there. He's in the same place many of us are. And it says this, and Naaman was wroth. That means he was mad. He got mad at the simple. Here, here's what the, a little servant comes. Naaman, go wash in the river seven times. You'll be totally healed. And the guy gets mad. He gets upset. His response to a word that will heal him totally and deliver him totally of his problem is anger. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, more people leave Island Church mad than any church on this island. Just trying to help you tonight. 
you ought to ask yourself when you go steaming out of here, all puckered up, why am I so mad? What has been said to me that has so, so reached inside of me that it has incited an emotional response? Because what is anger or man, anger or, or, or being wroth or being mad? It is a sudden rush of emotion. Ugh. I remember one time in Dublin, Ireland, we were preaching. The, the particular church we were in back then, you know, they were looking for any uh, a meeting place they could find. And it was, remember the, 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 the uh, church in Dublin? It was a long hall, and it was, you know, to the back of it, it looked like it was 50 yards, but it was real narrow. So they only had two rows of seats. They could seat about 500 to 600 people, and there'd be two rows of seats. There'd only be about five seats on each side, but it went, you had to look way back in the back to see people. And, you know, I mean, uh, in, in, in back in that day, back in the early 90s in Ireland, there were no word of faith churches. There was, there was only one flavor of religion in Ireland. And everybody was of that religion. And I know on multiple occasions, and what was unique about this church is that whole back end was closed off. You had to come, come and go in out a door that was kind of parallel to the stage like this. And I'd be up preaching and teaching or some other minister be teaching or preaching in a conference we were holding. And, man, you'd see them get up in the back. They'd get up, and up they'd come, up the front. Blankety, blank, 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 you, blankety, blank, 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 you, blankety, blank, 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 and right out the door. I mean, I mean, you could just about count on it, just about every service. Because something would be said that would bend their religious bone. Amen. And I guarantee you they're going to let everybody know it. And they would get angry. And they were getting mad. But here's the problem. When you get angry, when you get mad, you leave with the same problem that you come with. And if you came trying to get rid of a problem, isn't it worth it to maybe hang around a little bit and see if you can't deal with your anger so that you might get your problem fixed? Now let's look here for a minute. Naaman got mad. And notice this, went away. That's what your anger will do, make you go away. Went away and said, Behold, now here we go. Behold, I thought. Well, let's see what he thought. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So he had a preconceived notion, a preconceived idea in his mind exactly how God, can you see, look, here we are, these little ants down here on this planet. Little bitty, we're that, look, look, we're just little bitty, little bitty dots down here on this planet. And here's, here's God of heaven and eternity. And so we're, we're, we're trying to tell him what to do. Come on, church. So he's got it all fixed in his mind. This is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. Here, 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 Elisha's going to come out. He's going to stand He's going to call. It's going to be like a ceremony. He's going to call on the name of the Lord his God. He's going to come. He's going to lay hands on me, and I'm going to be here. That's the way it's going. But it didn't happen that way. He didn't even come out the door. So obviously, Naaman had an issue with rejection. How dare him? I'm Naaman, the captain of the host of Syrian army. Man, when I walk, people stand at, at attention. My subordinates salute me. I only answer to one person. That's the king. And this preacher, this preacher, 
this, this prophet, he doesn't even get up off his couch. Probably in there eating fried chicken. <laughs> Sitting there doing no telling what, and he ain't got time to get up and recognize that I'm here and I, it's, time, it's time for Naaman to receive. So the world needs to stand still and everything needs to quit and everybody needs to recognize that Naaman needs God. And God said, we don't do it that way around here. And Naaman said, I thought you did, so now I'm mad. I thought he will surely come out to me. Stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not the Abanar and the far, far rivers of Damascus better? I got a better way. I got a better way. Than all the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Rage is manifested anger. Anger you can hang on to. and I'm not mad. But when you go into a rage, you are manifesting. You are kicking. You are swinging. He's probably chunking swords, throwing spears, kicking the dog, punching the, punching the horse. He's manifesting anger. He's in a rage now. <laughs> like some of y'all get in when you get home from Island Church, you know. No, it's not me. It's the Word. It's the Word that challenges your thinking. It's the Word of God that gets into your heart. It's the words God saying, we're going to do it my way. See, I'm God. See, you're down here on the earth. You're down. I know there's billions of you, but there's just one of me. And I can take care of all billions of you at one time if you'll just let me. And you that don't, well, I'm so sorry, but you that will, then just listen to me and forsake your thoughts because my thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. Here's the way I think. Everything on the earth is involved in seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. So Naaman is going to have to sow some humility. He's going to have to sow some submission. He's going to have to get rid of his anger. And he'll reap some healing. Oh, I think somebody's getting helped in here tonight. Now notice, he went away in a rage. And his servants, thank God for the servants. The greatest servant you have is that spirit on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost is your great teacher. The Holy Ghost guides you into all truth. There's a voice, or there should be, a voice within the voice of of the minister or the preacher that speaks to your spirit. Sure, there are words that will speak to your ears and to your mind, but during some time in a service, when you come here, there ought to be a moment of time in which the voice of God does not speak to the ears of your mind, but the ears of your heart. And you hear a rhema, not just the logos being rehearsed, preached, or proclaimed, but a rhema, the Word of God that's real and living to you. Not something Brother Rusty says. Not something Brother Osteen says. Not something Brother Hagen said. Not something Brother Copeland says. Something God says to you. That's the way God's designed it. Thank God for the servants. Servant came near, spake unto, spake unto him and said, My father, now listen to this. If the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he said to thee, wash and be clean. You know what he was saying? He said, now listen, if he had told you to go fight some big battle, 
If he'd have told you to go do some, some great thing, which would have done what? Brought honor to you. Brought recognition to you. Which would have made you a part of this. Can I help you with that? You know, it, it won't be a few more months, a couple more years, we'll walk into a beautiful building. God, But see, although we're involved in the process, we give our money, we go to the architects, we plan, we hire a builder, we go out, we pray over the land, we do all that. When we walk in, you still have to say, look what God has done because he's the one that does it all. Although you were involved in the process, God does not want you touching his glory. He did not want Naaman to share in any of the glory by doing it his way. Well, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm the one that tipped God off on that, man. No, you didn't. God does not want you sharing in his glory. God wants at the end of the day where you cannot look around, well, it was our prayer life. Well, it was our faith. Well, I tell you what, we were in such agreement. Well, I tell you, we were in such unity. No, he wants us to say, look what God Almighty has done. Although we are involved in the process itself, this whole thing is only because of the grace, mercy, and favor of God in our lives. That way, listen, only that way can we share it with other people. Because if it has anything to do with us, then they have to become one of us. You say, what do you mean by that? No, no, that means they have to, well, you know, I've served God for 30 years. I've served God for 25 years. I've done, no, no, God wants it wide open where all of the whosoevers can walk in and stand side by side on the first day that we're ever walking to that new building and lift their hands with us and say the same thing. Look what the Lord has done. The great equalizer, the gospel. We work, we give, we do all of that and somebody walks in on the first Sunday and shares with everything that we have and everything that we've done. And that does what? Opens the door for salvation. Look what Jesus has done. So you have to forsake your thinking. Then he went down, verse 14, and dipped himself seven times in a Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So he got rid of his anger, he got rid of his wrath, and he got rid of his thinking. And he got his miracle. Isn't that simple? He got rid of his anger. He got rid of his wrath. He got rid of his thing. But see, as long as he held on to his anger, as long as he held on to his thoughts, he held on to his leprosy. And I don't want to hang on to anything eating on me. Whether it's eating on my flesh, whether it's eating on my mind, whether it's eating in any way on anything in my life, I want God to give me a miracle so that I can be clean and continue to follow Him the way He desires me to. And in order to do that, even today I have to find myself, I have to catch myself, or I do catch myself, thinking, trying to overthink, trying to outthink, trying to think beyond. You know what I'm talking about? Instead of just staying constant on the Word and allowing His thoughts to be my thoughts and allowing his ways to become my. See, we want the ways of God. 
How many will not like the ways of God? The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the supernatural, the power of God. Everybody wants the ways of God, wants the ways, but then they don't want the way God does it to bring the ways of God. So what we do is we forsake our thoughts. We submit ourselves to the Word of God. We allow the Word and the Word only to be our standard. You go over to Psalms 138. He said, I've exalted my Word above my name. That means God Himself. That's it. That's the standard is the Word of God. And when we do that, then listen, we have something to stand on. We have something to believe, and it will not only cause us to believe, it will cause us to know. You say, what do you mean to know? I don't believe I'm saved any longer. I do not believe. I, I know I'm saved. I don't believe I'm uh, healed any longer. I know I'm healed. I don't, I don't believe I'm prosperous. I know. See, faith can take you from believing to knowing. How, how, many, how many know you're saved? Not just believe it, but you know it. How many know you're healed? How many know heaven is your home? See, see, see the process is run, it's running in your life. If it wasn't, you may believe, but you don't know. But see, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You say, I haven't seen heaven. Then how do you know you're going? Because I have the evidence. You say, what is the evidence? Right here. Here's my evidence right here. Here's the evidence of my salvation. Here's the evidence of my healing. Here's the evidence of my prosperity. Here's the evidence of the way I think. Here's the evidence right here. Here's what I need, and that's what I have faith in, and that's what I trust. Amen? Lift your hands up and thank the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.